It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, part of Odyssey Network. I'm Al Sacco with Zane Nafi. We are kicking off the show today with one of our favorite guests. You know him from the Krug Show. He is a Bay Area legend. He is Larry Kruger. Larry, thanks for stopping by, bud. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you guys again. So, Larry, you were at practice today. So yes. I'm curious to hear, We, you know, it was a really disappointing game for the Niners this past weekend. Sure, it didn't go the way anybody wanted it to, even for the preseason. Coming back at practice today, how was the energy? How did the team look? Did they have a good vibe today? You know, the energy was really, really good. Um, it was It was a high-energy day. And I think, you know, you get you get smacked around by the Raiders like that. And I think it just is an eye opener. Um, I'm sure there's guys that played well in the game that are feeling better about their standing on the 53 man roster. There's guys that, you know, didn't play well, who suddenly are not feeling, uh, you know, too confident about their standing on the roster. But you just had a, a newly kind of motivated kind of a new world order at practice and a lot of. A lot of high energy, and there have been some low energy practices, but today was definitely high energy. Brock had a little bit of a layoff. How, how did he look today? Did he look crisp? Do you think he's getting any better? you think he's getting closer to being what we saw last year? Well, I mean, he was really sharp today. I mean, he was 15 of 19. He did throw an interception to Talanoa Hafanga, who ran it back for a touchdown, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, Brock was on point most of the day. I mean, 15 of 19, he threw a lot of strikes. Um, he looked pretty good. I mean, I, I would say he threw a number of different passes. Um, he just, he's, he, he's a very accurate thrower, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I see a very similar, if not the exact same arm to a year ago. Um, I, I don't see anything, you know, that says, Hey, regression or, this guy's really having to wind up to get it, everything into it. He looks like he's got this exact same arm strength that he had last year. And Larry, I want, I, I really want our listeners to understand the context of what happens in practice because they see stats and they see a quarterback has thrown X amount of interceptions or touchdowns in practice. And, and they immediately start to analyze that. And, and they're like, well, he threw four interceptions today. So this is clearly a regression. If you could break down that one, just as an example of how context is needed with, with every single thing that happens within training camp and practice, can you break down that, that pick six, if you did see it, was it just a, a concept that they were working on? Was it like a drill? Was it 11 on 11? Is this something where Brock was told where, where to go with the ball just to give the receiver a chance? Like how, how did that whole thing transpire? It was 11 on 11. And it, you know, I, I think it was a, a deal where um, he overthrew the receiver on a crosser. And Hafanga, you know, picked it out of the sky. Um, it was, you know, this one was a tough one for me to get context-wise because I was standing kind of behind some of the players, so I wasn't getting a full view. But it looked like a, a crosser to a, to the tight end, um, and I'm not sure which tight end it was. And the tight end went to the ground, I believe, and the ball, you know, went above, and Hafanga picked it off and ran it down the right sideline for a touchdown. Um, but I mean, as far as the interceptions, you know, it's funny. We, um, you know, I asked Tafanga because we talked to him after practice. I said, How's Brock looking? And he says, He looks great. 
You know, he looks, you know, absolutely the same as last year physically. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, people think there's the heirs of commission and the heirs of omission, right? And football fans only gravitate towards the heirs of commission because, we, you know, you commit a fumble, we can see it's a fumble. You miss a field goal, we can see it's a missed field goal. You you throw an interception, we know you're not supposed to throw an interception, you know, throw it to the other team. But there's also, you know, worse errors than that in practice where a quarterback drops back to pass, um, the window opens up, he doesn't, he doesn't let it rip, the timing's off, he goes to the second window, and the timing's off there, and then he just runs. And, it, and everybody watching just goes, oh, the quarterback scrambled. Well, it's actually two timing issues, and they were serious errors of omission, but you're only going to say it's an error if he throws it up and it gets picked. So, you know, there, you just have to and, – and since we're not getting, you know, we're sidelined sometimes behind players, we're not getting the end zone, we're, you know, we're not getting any replays – it's like hard to really tell sometimes if did the quarterback run run there because you know it was great instincts or did the quarterback run there because he missed the short window and he missed his second window um, you know so I think a lot of like watching Trey Lance operate in the game it was pretty obvious that he's his processing's a step slow his timing's a little off mm-hmm. and now when you watch him in practice. It, it, you can see, you know, after the game, you can see that it's really more of a he's a tick slow as far as his reaction time to some of the windows that open up. And, you know, he's not letting it rip. That's why Shanahan was so complimentary of him on the interception that he threw or on the touchdown, the lucky touchdown that he threw to Twelly. <laughs> because in Shanahan's mind, he let that rip to Conley in the back of the end zone. Now, he still was a, a tick late with it which is why Duke Shelley broke, you know, five yards and got his fingers on it. But I think from Shanahan's perspective, he wants Trey to be a a little less cautious and a little bit more, you know, trust your instincts and let it, let the ball go. That's an issue for Trey. Yeah. And that's, that's where I guess I'll go next. Larry is what we saw from Lance worried me in a lot of ways. And you and I talked on Friday, we, we, we've been talking on your show, how much we love, we love his upside and we still want to see him get a chance. And I expected him to be rusty, but when I was watching him on Sunday, I went from like, Oh shit, he's just not rusty. Like, like you said, he, he just looks almost non-functional at times, at times, not every time, but at times. And I, I got to give credit to uh, at Johnny Dells who does uh, film breakdowns. I watched a film breakdown of him today and he did a really good job looking at Lance's game and showing that his, his eye discipline, he's staring down receivers. He's reading the defense and maybe looking at the wrong side of the field. And like you said, even when he does see it, he's not letting it rip. And there were a few plays, the third sack on the, the third, I should say the third play on the first drive, the second sack, he's got Dwelly open. He's just, he's got to let it rip and he, and he pumps. There was another sack where he rolled out where if he just let it go again, again, just trusted his receiver, just gave his receiver a chance. It's probably a completion. So when you see that, because I know you were kind of with me with Trey, did, did it give you any pause? Did you watch that and say, okay, wait a minute, maybe he's not where I thought he was. And if this is what the 49ers are seeing, maybe Sam Darwin makes a little bit more sense to me now. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
to me, I put very little credence in camp stats and, mm -hmm. and I put a lot more credence in the games. Now, granted, they're preseason games and it's easy to be like, well, it's just preseason, but it's a game situation. Um, I, I think what you have with Trey is that he started that he started the game against the Raiders looking fidgety in the pocket, yeah. not trusting it, not letting it rip. Um, the, the, the interception or the, um, the second sack that he took, you know, he had Dwelly right there in a short zone between two defenders. There was no defender between Lance and Dwelly. He pumped it, pump faked it to him. So he knew he wanted to go there. But he just didn't let it go, and you gotta let it go. You got, you know, it's like, you know, you're gonna be judged on the plays you don't make, in addition to the errors that you do make. And mm -hmm. the bottom line is, they were one for five on the quarterback down in the first half against the Raiders. That's third down. And then the people who were ripping um, Shanahan need to really check themselves because Shanahan wasn't only not dooming him for failure. He was having him throw a couple of times early in the game on first down because, you know, I think because he knew that if you have, you know, if you can't get anything done in the run game or on first and second down and it's third and 10, it's a much more difficult proposition for a quarterback to have to throw on third and 10 on first and 10, you've got the element of surprise. And so I didn't, you know, some people were like, Oh, you know, Shanahan's calling too many pass plays. I think what happens is when you call a first down pass play and you don't get anything out of it, well, guess what? I mean, you're going to try to, you're probably going to pass on second or third down. So then all of a mm -hmm. sudden it's a high percentage of passes because you chose to throw it, you know, two of the first four first downs uh, that Trey was in there. So, but I didn't look at it as like Shanahan putting pressure on him. I thought it was Shanahan trying to take pressure off of him. Um, by having him throw in some non-throwing downs to kind of, you know, take, take the defense by, you know, trying to catch him off, off guard and surprise them a little bit. But I just think overall, Trey's timing, his timing, his touch, and his accuracy are all very very crude and raw at this point. And yeah. that's, that's the job. I mean, you know, Alex Smith was in Tahoe talking to Matt Mayoko guys about, a, what, three weeks ago. And he was being asked these questions about Brock Purdy. Is Brock's success sustainable? And Alex, who knows, I think Alex is one of the real smart football analysts and quarterback analysts out there. And because he's lived it, right? In a lot of ways, he was um, two different players at the early part of his career and the later part of his career. And he made the point that you can look at all these 40 times and height and hand size and all these different measurables and to grade a quarterback. But ultimately, what it really comes down to is how well do you process what you see at the line of scrimmage pre-snap? How accurate are you? And is the ball come out on time? Those are mm -hmm. the three elements of playing quarterback that kind of supersede the rest of the factors. And all three of those elements, Trey, I think there's potential there, but he's so raw that the timing, the touch, and I mean, I think he's processing where to go, but I think he's very cautious. He's trying to take care of the football maybe to a fault and it, it really negatively impacts his timing. He's consistently late and he's holding the ball too long. Um, and he's not trusting his eyes and trusting his instincts and just letting it rip. Yeah. Alan, and I kind of talked about this off air. Um, and it seems like, it seems like Trey's basically the same guy that we saw last year 
it, it, it doesn't seem like he's made that giant leap that a lot of us were expecting. And if you think about it, it kind of does make sense because what was the biggest issue with Trey going in the last year is that he needed reps and then he proceeded to get hurt and miss the entire season and having to rehab that injury and going into training camp, sharing reps, he still doesn't have that work. It's not an excuse, but it does prevent Kyle from evaluating the rest of the team as well, because a lot of those sacks it's like, okay, well, is that an O-line issue? Is that a Trey issue? Like the, the issue that the, the sacks that he took when he was holding the ball, that's a Trey issue. Like the first play of the game, it's a quick hitter. It's a two-step drop. He doesn't have the pocket depth to, to hold it there. It's got to go. Like he doesn't have the depth to, to, to be able to do anything else besides his first read. So I think that for that reason, people are conflating a lot of Trey's issues with offensive line issues, which were prevalent. But I mean, like, I, I think that the, the largest issue is, is his processing. But that being said, like, there is an issue with the offensive line. They, they didn't have their best game. Uh, do, you, do you agree? Well, and it's not, it wasn't their best line. I mean, uh, the 49ers, I think, have, have depth issues on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And, I, and I'm more concerned about the mm-hmm. defensive depth because the offensive line depth is only comes into play if um, your guys get hurt. I mean, your offensive linemen typically play the whole game. I, I was debating with Greg Papa today after practice, you know, who would be their three – if they go with eight linemen, who are their three backups? And I, I think it's probably Felicia. I had it down pre-Raiders as Feliciano, Zakel, and – probably Jalen Moore or somebody or a third or a tackle that you have to trade for. Now, mm-hmm. after watching that game, I would say it's Feliciano, Il Manning, and they'll probably still trade for a tackle. I yeah. think Manning, who can play left tackle, he did at Hawaii, was serviceable in this game, and he's more of a center guard prospect as far as his height and arm length and that kind of thing. So, Because he's 6'2", 295. He's not 6'6", 325. And so I think Ilmo has shown that he can play tackle in a pinch. And then you got Feliciano inside. Um, and I think they'll trade for a, a third swing tackle. I don't think it's going to be Jalen Moore, Pryor, uh, Leroy Watson. Uh, none of those guys really, I think, are, are going to do it. And as far as the D-line, I mean, the D-line depth is an issue as well. I mean, yeah. inside and outside. And your D-line depth is kind of a unique issue. Because those guys play. I mean, Ebukam, Amenehu, and Willis averaged 91 snaps per game in their in their three playoff games. So, you know, they lost quite a bit when they lost those three guys. And I, I thought going into the season, the D-end depth, I've been talking about it and everything I've ever been on this offseason that I'm worried about that at the defensive end. But I thought they'd be okay up the middle. I thought Kinlaw was maybe ready to have a better season, and, and I like Givens. And what I saw in the game, I know it's only preseason, but that really worried me because, like you said, they're going to be playing real snaps. They're going to need those guys. And they did not look good. And Kinlaw looked like he was getting pushed around a little bit and got up the middle. So I think that's, that is that is really scary with the depth there. But, you know, Larry, as we get to this point now, they have, they have traded away some draft picks. They are paying certain guys more. The depth is going to take its toll. It's going to take its toll on the depth, right? Well, there's no question, though. I think they've done a really good job on day three of the draft and after the draft to get undrafted guys. Um, you know, they're just, you know, it's going to be exacerbated if they suffer injuries, right? If they have right. O-line or D-line injuries, it's they're not, not going to be able to withstand that and play at the same level. I think that's really clear. I talked to Kosarek about his D-line rotation. He said, hey, look, you know, we're, 
we're going to play our guys in a rotation. Um, and we can't play, you know, Hargrave and Armstead and Drake and Bosa 70 snaps for right. 17 weeks. I mean, we just can't do it or they're not going to be upright for the playoffs. So, I mean, they're going to have to find some defensive end depth. They brought in Dalen Hayes the other day. They cut him. They brought in Breland Speaks yesterday or the day before. They're going to wind up cutting him as well. He's out of shape. Taco Charlton looks pretty good. Alex Barrett, who's been on the practice squad the last couple of years, he looks pretty good. But um, they're going to need, a, a, you know, they obviously need Nick Bosa. But, and Bosa and Drake and Cleveland Farrell are going to be their top three defensive ends. And mm-hmm. maybe they can f- get one out of Austin Bryant, Kerry Hyder, Taco Charlton. But I really think that at the cutdown, they're going to have to either explore a trade, you know, giving up a 2024 draft choice uh, for somebody who's, you know, uh, Jerry Hughes comes to mind on the Houston Texans. He's 35. He had nine sacks last year. He's on a team that's got some young defensive ends that probably D'Amico would prefer playing and giving reps to. Um, I'd give a fourth or fifth round pick for Jerry Hughes to see if I could get, you know, a veteran edge rusher in there. Um, you know, of course, there's guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young, but I, I can't imagine you could get those guys. But, I mean, they need they need another defensive end in addition to Bosa. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really think so, too. You mentioned you were talking to Greg Papa, and did you did you happen to hear what he said on KMBR the other day about Sam Darnold? About Sam Darnold competing with Brandon Allen for the number three, or Sam Darnold being the number two, and Trey competing with Allen for number yeah. three. He said Darnold is clearly better player than Trey Lance right now. Uh, it's not close, and I think Sam can push Brock Purdy honestly. So, where I was going with this is if you just and we talked about this a little bit last week too, like it's Papa. Mayoko's mentioned Sam Darnold's arm ability. Mike Silver, we just keep hearing it from everywhere. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. These guys are not making it up, right? These guys are hearing it from somewhere. At least, I mean, you know these guys much better than I do. I don't know if you've had any conversations with them about it, but does it just kind of seem to you like at this point, like unless Trey takes just a gigantic turnaround in the last two weeks, like like Sam is Sam is the number two quarterback? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you saw it in this game. I mean, you, Kyle Shanahan's comparing his, you know, career renaissance or potential for career renaissance in San Francisco to Steve Young. You know, I mean, his dad coached Steve Young. And, and um, you know, I mean, I think Kyle obviously has great affinity for Darnold. I'm a little concerned about Darnold because there's been such inconsistency in his career. I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen him play another series or two against the Raiders. I'd like to see him play some extended time in this game um, because, I mean, he played well. I mean, the dime that he threw to Ronnie Bell was a beautiful pass. He had a number of really good passes. Um, but, you know, he also, you know, is a, is a tick late at times in in uh, processing what he sees. And I would like to see a little bit more of it before I would stamp it official. I disagree with Greg that, that he'll p- push Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy yeah, – throws with accuracy consistently the ball comes out on time um you know that he's got escapability he's got competitive fire you know sam darnold i think is is a really intriguing prospect but he's not on brock purdy's level but i do think he's clearly better than trey lance um so uh, you know based on what i saw against the raiders um there's no doubt in my mind and and um 
you know, Trey, Trey, Trey might be the 49ers franchise quarterback, but it ain't right now. I mean, that's for sure. And so the question is just a matter of, do they want to keep him around to see if he can be that guy in two years? I mean, I'm starting to wonder about even that uh, possibility because I heard John Lynch talking with such glowing terms about Brandon Allen and, and I just, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it sounds to me, I mean, if I'm just telling you and I'm here every day, what it sounds like to me is they're going with Brock. They're, they're, they're going with Sam. They're going to go with Brandon Allen as a million dollar third string quarterback. And they're going to take the best offer they can get at the end of a training camp for Trey Lance. And my guess is guys that they will, if I'm just predicting what I think may happen, you know, they, they're very cognizant of the fact that um, how the perception will look if, if they just gave him away for a six round pick. Mm-hmm. I, I could see them trading if they were trading him with an, an, another player and another draft choice for a player who maybe at the end of his deal has one year left and, and, a, and a mid-round pick. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. like, or even a, even a, even like, you know, like a, like a, like a Trey Lance, a third round pick and some other player to the commanders for Montez sweat and a six round pick. And then they could at least say, Hey, you know what? We're trying to get a, we're trying to win this year and this and that. I think if you did that, there would be some confusion or at least it would muddy exactly what the trade return was and what his actual value was. Cause you also had to include a pick and, and you know, I mean, I could see that or I could see them, you know, I don't, I, I really think that, that they won't move him unless they can get a piece to the puzzle that helps them win the Super Bowl this year. Um, but that being said, I definitely think they're going to listen to offers. And I think it's, I would say it's better than 50, 50 that they pull the trigger. Now there's other people that don't feel that way. They feel like he's going to be here. I've talked to a number of media people that are like, Oh, he won't fetch enough. And they don't, they won't want to give him away. And I, I get all that, but they have Brandon Allen now here and they've got Darnold here. And, you know, you know, if you say goodbye to Brandon Allen and then you move off a tray at some point in October, then who's your third string quarterback? And it complicates things. I think they're going to go with with Brandon Allen and Darnold and trade Trey, probably for some player that can help them win this year. Wow. Wow. It's just so shocking because here we were a few years ago. And this was this was the guy, the excitement around Trey Lance, and and now we're talking about trading him. It's just it's just a huge fall from grace that it wasn't entirely his fault, but it's just so shocking. Now, I I want to talk about another guy that I'm kind of concerned about. So there was one starter that played uh, in uh, in the Raiders game, and it was Isaiah Oliver, and he is a guy that we thought would come in and immediately take that slot corner job. And Steve Wilson today said that he has a rolodex of guys that could possibly be. Uh, playing that position are are we right to be concerned about that position right now well i mean unlike D'Amico, who wouldn't tell you anything i think steve wilkes is far more candid and he basically just we were talking about it in the media room after he walked away um he basically just said that it's like without saying i'm unhappy with isaiah oliver they're saying they're unhappy with isaiah oliver and and based on what my eyes told me 
I'm unhappy with Isaiah Oliver. I mean, I, I either Isaiah Oliver is not 100% physically, and, you know, that touchdown he gave up, he was in trail position, looked terrible. Um, his play speed looked like it was three-quarter speed. You know, I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to be taking over for Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward was one of the defensive MVPs of the team. And now you've got Isaiah Oliver. Um, you know, I think what they like is they like the Ambry Thomas and um, and and Samuel Womack III are playing at a high level outside. And now because of that, um, they're going to move Lenore and Deshaun Jameson um, AJ Parker, Quantrez Knight, all these guys are going to get looks at that slot corner position. The nice thing is Steve likes a lot of those options, uh, but I would say Isaiah Oliver's um, lock on a roster spot is tenuous at best. Yeah, and you mentioned Amory Thomas. He really played a good game. That was That was good to see. He really stepped up, and I thought he looked good. You're always really good, Larry, at kind of picking guys out throughout the years, whether it's an undrafted rookie or rookies, people that you like, who stuck out to you either in the game or at practice, who's some guys maybe under the radar that you like so far? Well, I mean, all three of the young linebackers are terrific. I mean, Jalen Graham, D Winters, Marcelino McCrary ball. I um, mean, all those guys are just really, really impressive. Um, you know, they're fast, they're instinctive. They play fast. They're physical. Um, those guys all have starter potential. So mm-hmm. I would say Flanagan Fowles, Curtis Robinson, Norn Burks are are probably competing for one spot, and Burks is hurt. And I don't know if he's – you know, I could see one of those guys getting traded for a seventh-round pick. But those young linebackers are clearly ready to go, and I, there's, I, there's no way I would, I would keep uh, one of those special teams players over, you know, Graham or Marcelino or Winters because those guys are future starters. Um, and those special teams linebackers most likely aren't. I mean, as far as guys out of the blue, I mean, Deshaun Jameson, I mean, I've been talking yeah. of Jameson. I, I guaranteed um, over a month ago that Jameson was going to make the team, and, and uh, people were giving me a crazy look. Jameson is a really good corner uh, with a lot of experience. He's not the biggest guy, 5'10", 180, but um, he's a dynamic return guy. And, you know, in practice, nobody really saw that because they just catch the ball. They run five yards and that's it. But in the game, I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, he showed patience of a veteran. He showed ability to read his blocks. I mean, this guy's this guy's um, a very advanced um, return man. So, I mean, that he's a two-way player that can really help you. Another guy we talked to today in practice or after practice was Ronnie Bell. And Ronnie Bell, his dad is a wide receiver coach at, in college. And I asked him about it after practice. And I said, man, there's a lot of nuances to the position that you do really well that most rookies don't do well. And how much of that would you attribute to his, to your dad being a college wide receiver coach? And he basically just outlined it. You know, it's like, hey, my dad and I, you know, we talk about how's things going, how's camp going for me. And then we get into the film. And like, you know, what I, what my read was here and what I should have done there. And, you know, how I, how, you know, I rounded off this route and got in and out of this break. And so, I mean, he's very refined compared to most rookie receivers. And it's because his dad is a college football, you know, wide receiver coach. So I, to me, Deshaun Jameson is, is a, is a major standout. Ronnie Bell's a major standout. Uh, Marlon Davidson has looked really good. 
as well. I don't know if you guys noticed him in the game, but he's a 300-pound defensive lineman who can who played some defensive end at Auburn, and he's also can play defensive tackle. He's a little underpowered for defensive tackle. He's a little he's kind of a tweener, right? He's a little too mm-hmm. big and bulky to be a full four-three end. But you know, in this scheme where you got to get up, you know, it's a one gap penetrating, get up the field, wreak havoc on the quarterback kind of a scheme. In a lot of ways, Davidson is an ideally suited candidate. Um, so, and, and, and so is Taco Charlton. I mean, mm-hmm. Charlton's another guy that, you know, he's been in some read and react defenses. Now he's in this wide nine and all he's got to do is hunt quarterbacks and set the edge against the run. Um, and Charlton can do that. So, I mean, those two guys are not rookies, and they've been on other teams, but they're both, I think, going to be Chris Kosarek, uh, you know, reclamation projects. Yeah, Ronnie Bell, he gave me kind of a heart attack on the on some of the returns. I don't know if he knows how to fair catch. I don't know if he knows that he can fair catch, but I thought receiving, I, he did have the ball bounce off his hands from Brandon Allen, but other than that, thought it was a really impressive game. I love the end around. I love how hard he ran. And they actually hit a goal ball to him. My God, how when is the last time we I feel like we never see goal balls from the 49ers. So that was good to see too. Larry, before we let you go, yeah. What do you what do you want to see next week in the in the next game? Is there any players you just want to see step it up? Just what do you want to see from this team in week two of the preseason? Um, I'd like to see them establish the run a little bit with Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason. I mean, these are two quality young backs. They got zero push against the Raider front, and they just could not run the ball. I mean, I'd like to see – I mean, we'd have a much better chance to evaluate the quarterbacks fairly if we could see some production on first and second down in the run game. I also want to see Cameron Latou catch the ball. I mean, his hands have been yeah. horrendous. And, you know, I want to see Jake Moody make field goals. And – um you know, I was asking one of the beat writers, I'm like, how, what kind of leash do you think Moody has? And the guy's like, oh, two years. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're wrong. Two games. Yeah, he does not have two years. I mean, that's just yeah. that's that's just false. Uh, they're, this team's got, you know, is a Super Bowl contender. You got Zane Gonzalez hitting 55 and 57-yard field goals in this same camp. You got Robbie Gold in Chicago or suburban Chicago sitting by his cell phone. You know, this I would say Jake Moody's got, you know, a game and, you know, a couple games here to show what he's got. Um, if, if he's still, you know, spraying it, I mean, um, you know, they'll, they'll go with somebody else. So I, I'm looking for those two third round picks to kind of justify their their draft position. And um, and I'd like to see Sam Darnold play a little bit more because I, I kind of feel like if Sam Darnold played more we'd get an idea if Sam Darnold really is a changed man who's, who's a much better football player here than he was in his previous two stops. Or if we just got kind of a small sample size this last week against the Raiders, I'd feel much better about Darnold's chances or Darnold's just, you know, Darnold as a quarterback prospect, if they ran him out there four or five series and he actually produced points. I want to stick one one last one in Larry to you because there's pandemonium all over Niners Twitter. And I know you see this too. And it's so ridiculous to me because we're talking about practice reps here. We're talking about games that don't count. We're talking about players who are working on a concept. And an example is like for pitchers, when they go to spring training, they'll make a start in spring training and the guy may just work on his curveball alone. And he'll get lit up for like 10 runs or 10 hits or whatever. But it's not a big deal because he was working on a specific thing. 
can we like say something to walk people back from the edge a little bit here? Well, I mean, all I would say is some picks, I mean, I know this is going to be hard to understand, but some picks are significantly better than no picks. And no picks means that you're not testing your boundaries and you're not really letting it rip. And if you're going to play football in the NFL at quarterback, you have to have a rapport with your receivers. You got to talk to them a lot and you got to give them a chance to make plays for you on those 50, 50 balls. And that's all that Brock Purdy really does. He plays on time and on tempo and the ball comes out. Now, in the regular season, you saw what he did. The only kinds of interceptions that for the most part, now there were some drop picks last year, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, most of his interceptions were, you know, balls that got tipped. Um, you know, I, I think, and this idea that Brock can't get any better is just a ridiculous, idiotic notion. Um, he's worlds better. I talked to him after minicamp. I said, where are you today compared to where you were this point last year. And he's like, Oh, crew night and day last year, I'm going to the line of scrimmage. I'm just trying to remember the verbiage. I'm trying to remember what my check downs are. I'm just trying to remember all the multitude of factors from, you know, you know, that, that go into playing quarterback. I'm just trying to commit it to memory and just keep it. Now it's year two. I've got the entire playbook memorized. I've gone through, I've done the mental reps. I've done the physical reps. You know, he, he, he's, he, his arm strength was never spectacular, but it doesn't look diminished. I don't see any change in his demeanor or his mechanics. So I just would say to all the people who are looking at these interceptions, let me just say this too. Your scope of quarterback evaluation has to go beyond Jimmy Garoppolo. If all you can say about Brock Purdy is blah, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo, you haven't seen enough quarterbacks and you can't just say, well, cause Jimmy started fast and had a five game run in a losing season um, and then suffered some injuries and then ultimately started to kind of, you know, to start you know, decline as far as he wasn't even taking shots in the deep third of the field. He wasn't even taking shots outside the numbers. You could almost defend him inside of a box because he wasn't going to throw it in the deep third and he wasn't going to throw it outside the numbers. So late in the down defenders cheated inside and suddenly there was all these defenders and no space. And that's what happened to Jimmy. Jimmy became a broken guy over time. Brock Purdy is significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, And he really operates the quick game to perfection because of his footwork He's really good off the bootleg and play action game because when he turns his back on the defense and he turns back around, he has spatial awareness of where his guys are and where the defenders are. If you go back and watch Jimmy, Jimmy never threw the ball off the bootleg game or the play action game when he turned his back to the defense as soon as he turned around. He always needed to recalibrate where was his receiver, where were the defenders. That's giving up a ton to the defense. So – I just think Brock Purdy is a significantly better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know tons of people will be like, well, Jimmy started fast and Jimmy crapped out. So Brock started fast and Brock, you know, your scope has to be wider than just Brock to Jimmy. Um, You had, you know, just because they played on the same team do not, does not mean that they are the same guy. And I just, uh, it seems like a lot of the, 
hemming and hawing around Brock's success is about, you know, Jimmy. Jimmy was good. And then Jimmy was like Niner fans are walking around with like some kind of syndrome because Jimmy, they put all their love into Jimmy and Jimmy failed them. And so now they can't trust again. You know, this kid's going to get Brock Purdy's going to get better and better and better, stronger, more accurate. And the reason Kyle's all in on him and the reason Kyle said, hey, he's the real deal is because so many idiots are screaming he is not the real deal. That's why Kyle said this guy's the real deal, because he's pushing back on the idiotic notion that he hears in the public discourse about Brock Purdy being some, you know, beginner's luck. And he's pushing back and he's trying to give you his insight and saying, this guy's the real deal. That's just his way of saying what you saw last year is he's going to get better from there. He's not going to regress. Now, he statistically, there could be some regression as far as, you know, there, you know, you never know statistically. You're playing different games, different scenarios. But physically, he is absolutely the same guy that we saw last year and mentally he's significantly better. So just, just try to just, just be on the lookout. Anytime people are skeptical about Brock Purdy, how quickly after they acknowledge their skepticism, do they say the name Jimmy Garoppolo? And if it's really soon thereafter, you know that they're just, they, they've got limited football uh, resource and, and, and connectivity and they're, they're kind of, you know, Jimmy failed us and we're scarred and I can't put my faith in Brock just yet. You know what I mean? I mean, and that's my read on it, guys. I, I don't think it's, it's anything against Brock personally. I think everybody respects what he did. But because he was Mr. Irrelevant and because Jimmy started fast and crapped out, they're like, oh, we can't trust that this is our guy. This is your guy. This is your guy. They've just been hurt too many times. <laughs> it's, a, it's a damaged <laughs> fan base. Exactly. And and Trey Lance, I, I, you know, I know I come across as very negative on Trey Lance. I, I, tr- I think Trey Lance has potential, if they stick with him, to be the guy that develops down the road. I mean, you got to remember, he's still 23. Alex Smith was 28, or, in his, or I think he might have been in his eighth year when Harbaugh took over. I mean, Steve Young, guys, was 31 before he got going with the Niners and really was good. And there's lots of examples of guys that were 26, 27, 28, 29, Warren Moon, 33. Aaron Rodgers sat for four years, and then when he first played, he went 6-10. and 10. It takes time, and we're all in a rush. I, I think if, um, if the Niners stay the course with Trey, he is going to emerge as a significantly better quarterback than he is today in time. But he's the idea that people had that, oh, Trey's ready to play week one over Brock. That's crazy. He's brought, he's Ned in the first reader, uh, simplistic compared to where Brock is as a, as a passer, as far as touch, timing, reading defenses, play recognition, processing. So this whole idea that Trey was going to beat out Brock was just, that was lunacy. Um, and I think that first preseason game kind of indicated it. All right, Larry, tell the fans where they can find you. I'm on the top of the parking garage across from Levi's. Right <laughs> oh, oh, you mean on, on YouTube? Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the Krug show. Just, uh, look up the Krug show on YouTube. We got, you know, approaching 22,000 subs. Um, we did a post game show after the Niner game on, uh, 
on Sunday that got you know 20,000 views. Uh, we're putting out videos every day. Uh, my son is kind of like my producer slash boss, and he tells me uh, you know what videos to put out when. And we're just putting out a lot of content. We're streaming with a lot of great people. Al, it was awesome to have you on. We'd love to have have you, you and Zane on uh, throughout the season. And um, yeah, type in the, the Krug Show on YouTube. There's a store there. You can buy merchandise. And um, it's just been a lot of fun, man. I mean, I love being on the radio for, for you know, 20 years, 25 years, whatever it was. But I'm loving this even more because there's a connectivity, you guys know, with the video element of this thing. We're a visual medium. Um, mm-hmm. you're, we're visual people. You can do so many more things. I love taking calls um, and talking to the fans face-to-face. I love bringing the fans through my phone face-to-face with the Niner players in the locker room. Um, and we're just going to produce a ton of great content this year. Niner alums, Niner players, Niner coaches, Niner media. Uh, if you love Niner football, we're going to bring it to you, you know, 365, 24-7. So it's the Krug Show on YouTube. Check it out. Absolutely. We appreciate the time, Larry. Thanks Thanks, for stopping by. And everybody, thank you for listening. For Zane, I'm Al. Peace. Niners on three. One, two, three. Niners! 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.